And so, and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Dollars and Making Sense. I'm here today with Philippa Hunt from Wise Girls Money Magic. This is a website that has just been recently launched. It's been a bit of a soft launch, but I know, Philippa, you're going to be doing a lot more in that space uh, between now and the end of the year. So we'll keep our powder dry on that one. But welcome to the show today. Thank you very much. I'd love to be here. Wonderful. And this is going to be session four of our series that we've been talking about and headlining the the topic is uh, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. And ladies and gentlemen, what we've been discussing over the past three previous shows with Philippa has been all about the fundamental differences in the way that men invest and manage their money compared to the way women invest and manage their money. And so Over the past three sessions, we've covered a whole variety of topics. It's been a bit controversial at times. Uh, We've gone a little bit uh, uh, tangential at times as well. Uh, But I think it's been a very valuable discussion along the way. And so, Philippa, today, one of the things that we're going to focus on today is talking about physical, mental and emotional health of women in today's environment. And notwithstanding, we're in the middle of, of a pandemic. We're 18 months in to a pandemic that a year ago, most people thought we'd be done and dusted and we'd be looking forward to 2021. Mm. I don't think it's quite turned out that way, has it? No way. God, (laughs) certainly hasn't. I mean, I I can remember, because particularly here in the Northern Beaches, we were locked down pretty tight over the Christmas period because we had a burst of COVID. And in fact, it happened at our local RSL here in Avalon. And I actually know many, many people of my local school community who actually contracted COVID. And Mm -hmm. so firsthand knowledge of people that were in isolation, they contracted the disease. It wasn't pleasant by any stretch of the imagination. Thankfully, nobody I knew was intubated or in the ICU, but it's certainly not a normal flu by any stretch. And so having gone through all of that, everybody was looking forward to this fabulous 2021 and I think if we look at the first and second quarter, everybody would be saying, you know, smiles. But now that we're in June, July, and we're now in August, and uh, we're looking at some of the numbers now here in New South Wales, it's not a pretty side, is it? No. The other thing what people didn't realise is the how infectious this current strand, this mutation of the virus has become. And up to this point, it hasn't been as bad, but once this particular Delta variant took hold, it was off and running. Well, again, I'd push back a little bit on that, Philip. I'm not suggesting what you're saying is wrong, but back in May when the Delta variants first started raising its head, this current government actually banned flights from India because they were so scared of the Delta variant and its voraciousness and its r naught factor of how contagious it was. And so we sit here months later listening to the same politicians saying, well, we really didn't know. Well, excuse me, I'd like to remind them that they actually banned Indians from leaving their country with the threats of $50,000 fines if they tried to broach the borders. And so that was all about the contagiousness of that variant. And that ladies and gentlemen, was four months ago. So to sit there and listen to politicians today saying, well, we really didn't know, well, I call bulldust on that one. That's not exactly the case at all. Anyway, I digress. We're talking today about the physical, mental and emotional health. And 
one of the things I've wrote down here in my notes, the duty of care to look after yourself. So let's talk about that for a little bit, Philippa. What do you think are the kind of positive things you think uh, women out there, particularly uh, single older women, can do to positively impact their emotional health and their state of being? Well, the greatest issue I'm seeing coming through over the wires is people's mental health with the stringent lockdowns. Mm -hmm. Their movement outdoors for the sake of safety has been severely curtailed and it goes right back to where we were in May, April, May of last year when everybody was first locked down around the world. And the whole thing with people said, oh, yeah, we'll get through this. And, of course, now you're into your sixth lockdown in Victoria and this even more stringent rules, the mental health crisis of people's lack of freedom means that their physical activity or ability to be physically active has been curtailed. Their mental health and emotional health in terms of not being able to socialise or only being able to do it at the end of a Zoom meeting or a screen. Um, Neuroscientists are now wondering and looking at the effect of so much screen time on our brains. Mm, I was going to mention that, certainly. Just personally, at the end of a day, I've been in front of a screen and and interacting with people. And even as we are right now recording Mm. this radio show, we're doing it actually over Skype and video conference because you're on the Sunshine Coast and I'm here on the Northern Beaches. Mm. I mean, I get so tired of this by the end of a day. Wow. And it's also because you're not physically moving, your body's not getting the oxygen. So if you've got an hour that you can get outside, do it. Move. Brisk walking for your physical health. Also, the thing with the brain is once it's been walking for about five minutes and you get into this steady walking rhythm, it actually puts the brain into a more meditative state Mm -hmm. and it switches the brain off from the the tasks and what have you that you've – it's called mindful walking basically. Oh, okay. Focusing on your breathing as you go. Athletes do this routinely. They're focusing on their breathing and their exertion and their movement as they go. And um, so – I mean, a lot of people take the dog out for a walk and the dog ambles along sniffing at things, but that's not the walking that you need to do to get yourself physically energetic again. It actually needs to get your heart rate up. Mm. And so the heart rate beating the oxygenated blood around your body actually releases the endorphins and lifts your mood. And so the brain benefits from the walk. We're not talking about going for a a run or a jog, if you're if you're that fit, go for it. Um, because the <laughs> gyms are all closed. Yes, they are. And you, so basically, the only way you're going to manage this lockdown where you're stuck in in a confined space like a two bedroom, one bathroom apartment, then you can only get out for an hour twice a day. Do it, even if you have an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon. Now, for those who are homeschooling children, that's not easy either. And now they've shut down the parks in Victoria because parents were congregating there with their coffee watching the kids play. Now, that was a social environmental thing, but the problem was they found that this variant is so infectious that kids walking up to the local set of traffic lights across the street are giving it to each other. Yeah, they're happily spreading. Spreading. Really and then knowing, you have yeah. illegal engagement parties. And that's yeah. become a super spreading event. So if people... If people don't understand, and the surprise thing was about that engagement party, the two medical professionals were there. Yeah, 
That really I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you think? Smacked. So, I mean, they're always busting people for having hidden parties because there's always an element of rebellion when people have had enough. But the problem is that their little acts of rebellion are pure selfish and it means that this variant can get in through the cracks, a bit like cockroaches, really. <laughs> well, it does. It just can, can, you only have to walk next to someone who's got it and, and typically it's droplet infection. So it's a virus. It's not a bacterial infection where someone sneezes all over you and they travel very differently. So the physical, mental and emotional health is doing what you can to take a mental timeout break. So if you're looking at a screen, get up and walk around the room, sure. walk around the garden, get outside and get some movement happening. You've got five kilometres and a five-kilometre radius in any direction Although the people in Narrabeen were laughing about the fact that in their direction is five miles out to sea. <laughs> However, <laughs> but five, my parents lived there. So I know the area pretty well. You can go up and down and sideways. I know they were having a bit of a joke about it, but you can make the most of what you've got. It's an oh. attitudinal thing. And, and certainly here within the Radio Northern Beaches listening area, I check the rules on this because every week I go out and have a, a good long walk with a great buddy of mine that I met through the Australian Investors Association. And I just a bit of a shout out there for, for Andrew, just a big hello out there for your big buddy. Thanks so, so kindly for being my exercise buddy. But when you look at the rules, they say you can operate within your LGA. Now, the Northern Beaches LGA starts at Manly, goes all the way up to Palm Beach and mm. goes all the way out to Belrose. Yep. Now, that's a big area. But don't you have a five-kilometre limit? Well, I looked up the rules and the rules say 5Ks or within your LGA if it's not one of those uh, hotspot LGAs. And the Northern Beaches Council is not in the hotspot listing. So not just theoretically, but the letter of the law that has been put out by New South Wales Health and the New South Wales Government, I am absolutely able to roam far and wide up and down my coastline between Palm Beach and Manly and all the way out to Belrose without breaking the health order. And so I sit there, I guess... I need to get out there because to get past, I mean, the 5K radius for me only takes me down to Mona Vale. So I can go shopping and do my groceries and do everything like that. But, you know, you, you take it as a given when you live up this far north of the city, you do have to get in a car and schlep around a bit here and there to be able to go and see the people you want to see. That's true. So, I, I'm kind of stuck in that way, but I'm still masking up. I'm double vaxxed too, by the way. I'm okay. now fully vaccinated. I got my second jab uh, uh, at the beginning of August. So I'm fully vaxxed and totally happy and very cool and comfortable having done so. And my kids have now all lined up and got their first jabs of AstraZeneca. Uh, they're all in their 20s and I'm very happy and and pleased that that is occurring. So, but I've I got to say to you, Philippa, you're absolutely right. The the need to get out and get that fresh air, exercise and free the brain away from being in front of a screen. And it's mm. not just work. I mean, people that are sitting around doing bugger all, they're watching Netflix or Stan or whatever their streaming service, iView, SBS On Demand. And I think you get a little bit moribund being there as the well. Brain, and the brain just gets lulled into it. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. So, look, it's time for a bit of a break right now. So we'll go for a bit of a station announcement. And when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about quotas and the makeup of male and female 
uh, makeups of uh, the political parties and our government and what impact that does or does not have on policy. We'll be back very shortly here on Dollars and Making Sense. And welcome back. We're here with Philippa Hunt from Wise Girls Money Magic. And if you're interested in having a look at Philippa's website, it's wisegirlsmoneymagic.com. It's not .com.au, it's just .com. So have a look at Philippa's website. I found it really, really interesting. And I think there's a certain way, Philippa, that you've put together this website that has a, a certain gravitas for the female audience much more than the male audience, wouldn't you say? Yep. Designed for women. How so? Maybe if we can just talk a little bit about that website for a moment before we get into our topic of the day. Well, the, the thing I found in financial advising after 20 years, there's becoming more expensive for women to provide advice. The way the financial planning industry was structured around advice and product didn't take into account, particularly the Corporations Act, on the way women spend, save and invest their money. And women approach because of the way their brain's wired, a very different emotional approach to money than men. So that was what inspired the book, which I then turned into the course. And so half the course is around female psychology and the way their brain works and all the female hormones and mood. And um, the second half is taking all that into account and learning the hands-on money. So becoming money skilled was money competent was what I was getting to, but based on their own personality type because I know that you can give three different women $50 and they'll all go and spend that $50 on completely different things. I'd suggest the same of men though, wouldn't you? This is true, but I'm talking about the way women buy what they do. You don't go out and buy red shoes that are high heels, that Manolo Blahniks, you wouldn't know what that meant in our language. No, they kill my calves, high heels, I've got to tell you. That's it. And so the point (laughs) that I'm making is that women need to have their shoes, their beauty and their money, right? It's And what brings women joy is very different from what brings men joy in terms of the things we do for ourselves to look after ourselves. So we also have a completely different hormonal system and there are some studies that I've read where, in fact, what's going on hormonally very much influences women's behaviour and what they spend their money on. There are studies to, to back that up. So I created Wise Girls Money for women and the way we deal with money and to teach them in the way women need to learn to be taught. Now, that just comes from years of experience, not only in education but being a financial advisor and working with women and, of course, a, a large chunk of my client base, or 80% men, and the women involved in their partnerships as well. So there's a broad spectrum of advice that I've had over the years and what what brings joy to women with what they do with their money is felt differently from the way and what men spend their money on in terms of discretionary spending. In other words, we all need to buy our groceries and buy the essentials in life, but what I call beauty money is actually play money for men. Oh, okay. So beauty money is the things that where we take care of ourselves in what we call shoes beauty money. So if you build into your budget a little treat for yourself to lift your spirits, particularly in the times that we're living in now, 
And because those personal services have all been shut down, one of the th- jokes that went around the Facebook and the internet last year about the amount of regrowth of people discovering they really do have more grey hair than they thought they did <laughs> and how they're going to cope with looking after themselves when they can't get to the shops to look after this sort of stuff. And it was a real quandary for a lot of women. Wow. And so men don't care about that sort of stuff, but with the oh, emphasis I beg in our to differ. culture on I beg, I beg to differ. Hang I on. know plenty of guys that care about how much grey hair they've got. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying... And I am generalising. What I'm saying is As women, am I. women tend to uplift themselves with what I call shoes, beauty, money. They might Ooh. not buy the red pair of shoes, but in my experience, a woman will go up to another woman at a gathering, grab her by the arm and say, I just love your shoes. Where did you get them? And she'll, they'll talk about the shoes. Oh, and by the way, I'm Jane and you're Jeanette. So... That's how women do it. Yeah. I, I gotta men, tell you, guys don't do that because I, I can remember I, I can remember many years ago. I, I liked uh, back in the day when ties were far more uh, part of your, your business day day dress. Mm-hmm. I can remember I used to love spending good money on good quality silk ties. I used to go to Japan quite a lot, I used to go to the US for business quite a lot. And so Buying a nice silk tie, I always thought, because you're wearing a suit, a suit looks like a suit, and unless it's a bag of dirt, you know, it basically looks the same. I mean, a poorly I cut it was suit. a bag of fruit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I was going to say something else, but I, I have to mind my P's and Q's on community radio. But I, I guess, uh, and so to me, taking the time to go and buy a nice tie. So if I ever saw a guy who had taken the time and bought a really standout tie, I'd go and compliment them. Well, you'd think that I was hitting them up. It's like, guys, I'm just liking your tie. That's all it is. It's not something guys do, and I can assure you, most guys get really funny if you compliment them as another guy because they think all of a sudden it's like, what are you doing? It's like, guys, I'm just saying you've got a nice tie. Exactly. It's a a cultural thing. So what I was doing with Wise Girls Money was supporting women in the way they need to be supported. So a lot of women don't have confidence around money. We're not educated around money. In my mother's day, it was assumed that the man would earn the money and take care of the money. She did the housekeeping money. But these days, women are earning their own. They need to learn how to invest and they need to be educated and they know that. So the whole idea of this program and the course that we're nearly finished building and the coaching is to guide women through the basics and learn as they go and build on their learning through developing experience and then supporting them with the coaching so that they get the hang of doing this for themselves because that's very empowering when you can become financially independent in your own right and that's what I'm driving at is for women's freedom through their own financial independence. And and I must say, Philippa, my two previous collaborators, Lisa and Karen, the reason I focused a lot on them was uh, although they didn't have formal training in uh, the finance industry like you and Phil do, uh, certainly their view uh, was very much about being independent, educating themselves. And so they really were very proactive. And that's one of the reasons I I certainly found the conversing with them uh, really uh, interesting. And certainly from a perspective of thought-provoking, hopefully, to our listening audience, for the women out there to do something more proactive. But the next topic I want to move on to, uh, and I'm curious to get your views now, in 
this country, for the past eight years, we've had a little Liberal National Party in power, and it has uh, traditionally and factually a very low percentage of female politicians either in cabinet or holding positions of power mm. uh, in ministerial roles. And when you compare it to Scandinavian countries where you've got close to 50% representation in many of the Scandinavian countries, and I think Finland has a 39-year-old uh, female prime minister, and so they've really hit the mark there for representation. And certainly here locally, the Labor Party uh, has about 30% now uh, female more. representation. Got, I think they've got more than that. Okay. And, and so I'm just curious, do you think that that lack of female representation in the halls of government in Parliament House seeps through uh, just by osmosis, uh, I guess, through policy and the like? I think that... In terms of the follow-through and history of respective major parties, the foundational perspective of the Liberals and the Country Party becoming nationals and the Labor Party made the decision back, crikey, it might have been 20 years ago. Yeah, it was during Keating and Hawke's time. Yeah, Keating and Hawke, to bring in quotas. They figured the only way they were going to crack this was to actually set up processes to get more women in. So and mandate it, yeah. Mandate it, so they did. The thing is with the Liberals have a very different philosophy. There's a There was a program on Channel 2 recently called Misrepresented. Yeah, that was Annabelle Crabb. Yep, and it was very enlightening. Now, I worked in Parliament House as a staffer to a senator years ago, and where I landed up in the middle between the two major parties, I could talk to both sides. Very different way of approach, but back in the Paul Keating Bob Hawke era, they mightn't have liked each other very much, but they got the job done. They collaborated. Once Howard came in, it became more what I would call in adverted commas presidential, and it became focused on the Prime Minister himself. Now, back in Hawke's day, it was with some amusement that he used to organise his meetings around the races. So he'd be standing <laughs> Really? Yeah, you got to remember this is Hawkey. And everybody loved him. They all called him Bob, remember? And he was not a presidential style of prime minister. He was out among, he was in the middle of it at the races. Yeah, very consensus type of yeah, guy. Yeah, he was. He was a consensus and he was the ACTU boss when he was brought in in 1983. So when that Labor government came in, they were the most educated front bench that had ever been in politics. Yeah, quite amazing when you look at their credentials uh, yes. in today's light. Yes. Um, and so, it really is such a stark difference. Well, the thing is that they did a lot of reform through the 80s and 90s, and all the reforms that we're dealing with now were instigated way back then because they had to be, and Paul Keating just crashed through because he was young and he, and he had it on his side. So that what we're dealing with now um, like superannuation, he set that up and made it compulsory in 93 when I was in human resource management and dealing with the unions across the table. So that was a huge shift for women in supporting them into their retirement. Now, with those baby boomers coming through now in Australia, 700 people turn 65 every day. Wow. And half of them are women. Now, the reason they, the government said, oh, we're extending out the contribution rules for people out to age 74 is because they realised to their horror that if they didn't, all these people would run out of superannuation because they're not allowed to put money in un, un, over the caps, but they'll be putting their hands out for the age pension after the age of 78 to 80 because we're living into our 90s. 
So they said, oh, you can keep working and put, keep putting money into age 74, panic stations, because with Nana and Pop living until their 90s and the kids are in their 60s and 70s, the inheritances were coming through, delayed, but coming through, couldn't mm-hmm. do any money. So they said, okay, I can stick it into superannuation. You can become self-funded and get off the age pension because you'll end up with a third of your population retired. And we haven't got the migration now from the last couple of years to support the number of people retiring. Now, I'm in the thick of this, and the looming poverty classes for women 55 over because yeah, they were yeah. raising kids, they didn't have the jobs, and the other mealy-mouthed weasel words I heard, oh, well, this was a, to allow people like women who weren't in the workforce when they were young to do catch-up till they're 74, brackets, keep working because we can't afford you to be on the age pension. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I deal with legislation and politicians every day of the week from where I sit on the board of the independent financial professionals. So I know what the thinking is going on behind the scenes. Now, with the current shambles that we've got in the management of this COVID, the policies that are being run by the current government in their neoclassic liberalism of people making up their own minds and living their life according to their own rules are failing because we actually have to get people vaccinated And now they're struggling with no jab, no job. Well, that flies in the face of the Liberal policies. It's it's not their mandate. Whereas Labor being unionised said, well, listen, mate, you want to keep your job, get immunised so you're protecting yourself and your workmates. This is the unions. We look (laughs) out for each other. There's a different philosophy altogether. And so... Philip, I hold that thought. It's time for a station announcement now. We'll come back. Fascinating line of discussion because... I I want to draw more on some of the policies that are abound at the moment and the impact on this class of women uh, in their late 50s. So this is uh, Ray and Philippa. We're here on Dollars and Making Sense. We're going to go to a short break and we'll be back in just a moment. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here with Philippa Hunt from Wise Girls Money Magic. Thank you, Philippa, for being here with me today. And we've been talking about men from Mars, women are from Venus. This is part four, the final in our series. And we've been talking today about mental health. We've been talking today about policy and very much the makeup of, I guess, the lack of women being in the government ranks for the past eight or so years and the impact that that has had on a lot of policy coming through. And just before we went to a break, I guess we were getting to a crescendo, I I guess, in regards to, uh, uh, I, I guess, our thoughts and passions. But one of the things that really floored me during uh, last year and, and uh, the policy that came through into this year was the government allowing people to raid their superannuation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the kind of policy that I just sit there and scratch my head and go, why was this allowed? And the, the kind of raiding that occurred and the amount of money that was drawn down was enormous. And we're going to be paying for this quite a long way into the future. Yep. Um, Philippa, did you see a lot of your female clients go and raid their super during the course of the last year? Not a lot of women, um, but I certainly did see some guys in terms of taking money out to pay down debt, and a lot of women I know did too. The thing that appalled me about this was the fact that the government blithely said, Yeah, take down money out of your own savings Mm -hmm. to fund yourself through this pandemic so that we don't have to do it. 
Yes, that was pointed out by a, a PJK uh, <laughs> known better as Paul Keating. Uh, he wasn't very happy about that whatsoever. And I must say, I made a lot of reference uh, to my commentary during the course of Dollars and Making Sense last year when I was talking with Lisa and Karen. Certainly Karen pushed back on me a lot where she said to me, Ray, there are a lot of women out there that are fleeing domestic violence. And if they can draw down their super to get away from violent men, I'm mm. all for it. Now, I've That's got to under say, the hardship rules, though. That's different. No doubt, but they took the opportunity because a lot of women suffered from having to be locked down with yes. people they didn't want to be locked down with, didn't they? That, yeah, I'm just saying in the overall policy-making side of things, it was lousy policy. I don't disagree. I, However, I think you're absolutely for a, right. However, a minority of people, it worked. What a lot of women do is they grab their super and said, I might as well use it now so I can pay down debt and have enough you know, so I don't have to panic, panic, panic. Then they found that men were using it to gamble online. Yeah, so disappointed so, when I read know, about this. So, this is thing that self-funding a pandemic like that wrecks their retirement because the market took off like a rocket and put on 30%. Yeah, and, and a lot and of the uh, a lot of the commentary that came from the SMSF Association, whom uh, we we are a sponsor of, by the way, at OTG Capital, they came out with a lot of empirical data that showed many trustees and retirees cashed out at the worst possible time. Yep. And so, not only did they take money out that was really their savings, but they also took it out at the bottom of the market when yes. the value of those yes. stocks were at their absolute worst. Yep. And so they missed the big spring back. So the big spring back from March through to April. November, well, in the last year, where yep. it rebounded and has gone past that level, yep. and they were out of the market. Yep. So they had they a one. Did go and get decent financial advice. No, well, we'll talk about that in just a moment because that's on my my reading notes as well. But just to give you a, a numbers type of example, ladies and gentlemen, if their stocks were worth ten dollars in super, by the time it was time to get out when the pandemic hit, the market had dropped forty percent. So that ten dollars was now worth six. So they took the money out at six bucks and walked away. Now, the problem is that six then turned into 12 within a year, but the problem is they weren't invested. And so they missed out on all that growth and they got the double whammy. And I was just so disappointed, so disappointed. Well, you got, so, can I just interrupt there? Please, A lot of please. people who manage their self-managed super funds are self-proclaimed experts. <laughs> Oh, I, I've got to be careful there. I have a, many, many of my clients that I teach in CAP or uh, SMSF trustees. The thing is, they so. got decent financial advice and didn't panic because a lot of the money in self-managed super funds is sitting in cash anyway. Once they realise that cash is peanuts, they go and put it in, in cash instruments like term deposits. But if they actually got proper financial advice and put and do what I did for my clients, when I put them into slightly more conservative options, what I did back in 2019, I thought, oh, this market's going up and up and up. I reckon there's going to be a correction soon. So I grabbed all their growth, the people in pensions in, in retirement phase, grabbed all that growth, shoved it into cash so they had at least six to eight months of pension payments in cash mm -hmm. so the portfolio was left alone. I also rebalanced their portfolio into slightly more conservative options in other words, trimming your sails, right? You can mm -hmm. see a storm brewing. You don't know when it's going to hit, so you pull down the spinnaker, right? 
So I trimmed the sails and I just waited to see what happened. Well, the toilet paper pandemic happened in the March. <laughs> the market tanked, hit Did a down, down below the global financial crisis level and within a fortnight sprang back when people realised it was only a virus when they could buy their toilet paper as long as they were allowed one packet. <laughs> and so, yeah, think about the psychology. Oh, no, no, no. We, we've lived it. And I, I, yeah. I watched this madness occurring. It I was know. just and, total and madness. Here's the thing. The market went back 5,000 points a fortnight later. Yeah, I know. It was when the market took off and went up, my clients were living off their cash. And I said to my clients, think of it as a farmer who goes and pulls their spuds out of the paddock, shoves them in the shed, and then you've got something to live on for winter time. So I said, what I'm doing with the growth in your portfolio, taking the cream off the top, sticking it aside, so that's what you're going to live off. So you don't actually touch your portfolio anymore. When the portfolio dropped, they were still living off the growth, the cash in their pension accounts. Yeah. And, and, they... and here's the thing, because I put it into more conservative options, their portfolios only came down by about 5 or 7% when the market dropped to 32%. So when it came back up again and the pension started to run up, they said, how come my pension's growing when I'm actually living off it? I don't understand. <laughs> because it's, it's financial advice. And the problem with self-managed super funds, unless you've got an advisor who's across it with you as the trustee, you're not the investment professional unless you've got a background in it. So when it took out the money, panic, panic, panic stations, it was equivalent of buying an awful lot of toilet paper and realising you don't have enough money to buy food. Or, or you don't have, you only have one bum to wipe during that entire time. Well, just because there's a pandemic, you don't wipe it any more times than you usually do. Now, here's the thing. I also, <laughs> Ray, I also noticed there was an interesting point from the psychology of all of this, that people who were running out of these supermarkets with Trolleys full of toilet paper all over the age of 65 and 70. Wow. You know why? When they were born, it was during World War II and rationing. And all they heard in their earliest formative years was, we can't afford it. Make do, eat it up and wear it out. And their parents were probably young during the Depression and their parents endured World War I. So when you have that fear of loss, when your relatives are being killed in World War I, and your aunts and uncles were fighting in World War Two, and some of them, the uncles were being killed, and your in your formative years were going through rationing. I can tell you from the number of clients that safety and security is absolutely paramount to them. And here's the thing: the buying of the toilet paper and all the things like pasta and non-perishables were the things that was stuffed into pantries and larders during World War II because dried food kept longer. Yeah, yep. And what they, what we've I observed all of this and spoke to these people and I said, oh, we could end up doing what happened to me when I was a kid. And then I thought, of course. They were born during the days of rationing. And, and I remember talking to a client with a London accent, it was almost Cockney, and I twigged. She was saving money on the age pension. And I said to her, she never married, I said, how old, I said, did you, were you living in London as a child? Yes. This is 20 years ago. Did you go through the blitz? Oh, yes. What happened to you? Well, we hid under the stairs and a bomb went off next door, destroyed the house, killed the people, but we managed to survive. 
I said, Margaret, if I went into your house, would I find tins of food in every cupboard? Uh, yes. How do you know? <laughs> it's called siege mentality. Yeah, absolutely. And I've absolutely. seen people that survived World War II in Europe have the same siege mentality. They actually have to prepare for the worst. So when the worst looks as though it's blooming and they don't have control, this is the so, thing. So They we- take control by buying up non-perishables. The other thing that the baby boomers, older baby boomers did, they raced out to the good guys, bought out the entire collection of chest, you know, the box free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they went into Woolworths and skinned all the meat out and shoved it into their tucker box freezers. Plus their toilet paper and perishables. They're safe. They're all good. They got That's plenty to safe. eat now. They had control where the government and the pandemic took away their control. Interesting. So moving on, we're now facing a backdrop. Uh, and we've talked about this in the previous three sessions of Men, Mars and Women, Venus, that the financial planning industry is looking at droves and droves of our industry professionals leaving for mm. a whole range of different reasons. And so Jane Hume is sitting there giggling away in her portfolio saying there's nothing to worry about, even though our fees have gone up 350% in the past two years. But be that as it may, we're facing a situation, uh, Philippa, where uh, particularly uh, single old women trying to access a reasonably priced financial advice are really coming up now because I guess because of so many different factors. Uh, I guess when you walk through the door of a financial planner and uh, I mean, my partner in my financial services license is a registered financial planner, you know, they're going to be charging at least two and a half to three thousand mm. dollars just to have a chat. And so the bottom well, line is... it's not just to have a chat, Ray. It's about 15 I, hours' work. I, I don't dispute any of that. No, we, we talked about that last week oh. in our show or mm. previously with Phil about mm. you know, why they charge what they charge. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. a trivial process. But no. my bottom line, what I'm trying to reach, though, is that we've got to be able to address a whole bunch of people out there that need help, they need education, but mm. can't afford it. And so in lieu of any government action, because I'm certainly not holding my breath. What I wanted to talk about next is what do you think are the top tips for all the, the, the single older women listening out there? And hopefully the older men will be taking heed as well. What do you think is a good starting point for many of the women out there today that need financial advice, but certainly I, I don't think they can afford it, but they need at least to start. So what do you think they should be doing, I, I guess, to start down this road of getting themselves wise around money? Well, it's precisely the reason I started the educational program, Wise Girls Money. Well, I know, but I'm trying to give a segue here, Philip. I guess, is yes, let's go and visit the website. But one of the things, let, let's talk about some of the resources and some of the things that you would suggest that okay. they, 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 they do uh, mm. in the interim uh, that, that they should be thinking about. Okay, well, I was at the launch of Wise, the Money Smart website in 2008. That's a great resource, isn't it? Yep, and Paul Clitheroe made the salient point. He lounged all over the um, lectern and the public servants were there and the industry bodies were all there. And he said it's one one thing learning the theory of what you have to learn. It's another thing putting it into practice. Interesting. And this is the disconnect when you have a complicated 
but very good Money Smart website overloaded with information. It is. It's a treasure trove, isn't it? Yep, but you need a sat-nav to get round it. <laughs> Secondly, it goes down rabbit holes. Oh, um, it, I, I think it, that's a little harsh. No, well, you've got different bits for women, different bits for superannuation. I mean, it's a very good comprehensive website. It's a big, it's an awful lot of topics to oh, cover, it's isn't called, it? The word, the word is overwhelm. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. That's a and fair so point. And so people don't know what they're looking at. And the whole point of coaching is to start at the beginning. And because I've been advising for as long as I have, I know when someone looks at me with their eyes glazed over at what point you <laughs> stop. So oh, absolutely, absolutely. And so in, well, you see, I started off as a teacher. And so in, in terms of all my education over the years and in academia as well, people can only take in so much of unfamiliar material. At some point they have to learn what to do with what they've got. Yeah, I and couldn't so, agree more. I mean, I, I to, I'm a big advocate for the KISS principle. Keep it simple, yeah. uh, little bite-sized chunks yeah, so the that people can that people, take it on board. When people do their own Googling, how do I buy shares? What sort of shares do I buy? And they start talking about volatility and risk and liquidity and equities, and they start using all the jargon, even if they try to make it keep it simple, unless people have grown up with all of this stuff, they really don't understand where to start. Well, and you see, again, I'd be, push, I'd be pushing back on that because I'm a bonds guy. And mm. so I'd be saying to people, why do you even think that shares is right for you in the first place? But you uh, see, they don't uh, know that they don't know that. Uh, exactly. what they, they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, I, I've, I've been heralding and, and talking up Money Smart now for, gosh, two, three years now. As long as this show has been going, I've been pointing people to that website because yeah. it's provided by the government. It's free. It's in, well, I'm fingers crossed it's independent. But certainly, I always find it's a good starting point. Now, I, I do take you, you know, it's a very valid point you make, Philippa. It is overwhelming. It is overwhelming. And, and so, you know, we've got a few minutes left of today's session. If we can round out, so Money Smart, I think, is a great place to start. Philippa, what do you think uh, are some of the things that, you know, for the women out there listening, that they really need to maybe take a step back and say, okay, what's, what would be the first step, do you think, in their head? Maybe taking an inventory in their mind, do you think, about where they're at? Well, I think the first thing people need to do is for their age stage, where they're up to. Now, a lot of that's, older that's women... That's a good point, yep, age stage. I like age that. Age stage, because that's going to de determine how much time they've got left. And so when you're doing portfolios for younger people that have got time on their side, yeah, that's right and because right. they're tech savvy, they get their heads around this stuff quicker because of that's where they find stuff. So they're very good at digging stuff out. For people in their 40s, it's the oh my god moment. Will I have? <laughs> I call it. Will I have enough? How long have I got? How am I going to get more money in? And so, some of the strategies I work with older women is about setting up a side hustle or a side income and teaching them how to do online business and marketing. Yeah, oh, my previous collaborator Lisa was huge on side hustles. We we yes. did an entire show on yes. side hustles once. She loved it and she loved talking about them yes. all the time. That's the hit. And the thing is that it's also about women, when they get a little more confident about managing their money, 
because they know what to do. It's also the language about money puts people off. The jargon that we use, because we don't realise, like you and me, we'll use our jargon, and it's like medical professionals. Unless you put it into lay language, people don't get it. Well, it actually, I've just written this down. I mean, today's not going to be the end of it, ladies and gentlemen. Philip is going to be joining me on the show every two weeks. And maybe we might do a show uh, in the future, Philippa, just on jargon. Let's talk about terminology. I don't think it would hurt, would it? Well, the thing is, it helps people to understand the language of money, the financial literacy. It's like learning a a bad idea. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's what the GASIC's been trying to get people to do via the Money Smart website since its inception is to get people to be financially literate. But unless you start learning this language and using it every day, you're not going to become fluent in it. No, no. And I guess and I guess part of what we're doing in, in wrapping up today's session, Philippa, first of all, I'd like to say thank you very kindly for being part of this four-part series on men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and these fundamental differences. And I guess it's just really a starting point, I think, for the fortnights to come, I think, in the future mm. between now and the end of the year and well into 2022, as we embark on a whole range of different topics and issues. And I think even now, I think about all the time we've spent talking about these fundamental differences. I still feel like we've barely scratched the surface, don't yeah, you? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It really is. And so, ladies and gentlemen, in wrapping up, first of all, say thank you to Philippa for being part of the show. I would commend to you, please go to our website, check our blogs out. I will link Philippa's new website uh, from the OTG Capital blog and we'll be cross-referencing. There's podcasts so you can listen to this uh, not only on the radio show, but we've also got it in podcast form. So you can listen on Spotify or your favourite podcast uh, engine online. Philippa, thank you so kindly for being part of Dollars and Making Sense. You're most welcome. uh, We'll catch up very, very soon. And until next time, adios. Bye. Thanks, Ray.